0: What's up everybody? Welcome back to Because He Did. This is not the Ways podcast, it's our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Christian, uh,
1: I'm Tucker Thompson by the way, this is Christian Amor. Christian, who do we have with us today? Yeah, today we have Franz. He is uh, in our young adult ministry uh, here at IBC, but he actually goes to Harvest Christian Fellowship because he lives in Plainview. How is that commute?
2: Uh, <laughs> 45 minute drive lots four, of audiobooks 4 or 5 times a week lots of audiobooks and podcasts <laughs> lots
1: why so just i i can't why? handle <laughs> why? i can't handle a
2: 10 minute drive how do you do 45 minutes every day so it's really not that bad for me personally because my job requires a fair bit of driving so a couple mm-hmm. weeks back i did 14 hours of driving in, in a single day i think in that week i did 1200 miles okay. i think Crazy. so like that so uh, driving is something I'm uh, rather intimately familiar with. I got
1: gotcha. I like driving too. But uh, you actually work for Transworld, which is an internet company. You just told us you have nine years experience. How has, uh, I guess, that your journey been with that company? Because there's a lot. I mean, like if you look at a lot, like the job market today, a lot of people stay with the company for two years and leave. And like there's not a lot of people that stay for a company a long time especially
0: like, in our generation like mm-hmm. I feel like it's pretty easy for us to just jump from company to company job to job
2: yeah well, what has kept you I guess like so, you know, for, so long? F- for me in a lot of ways what initially got me there was my uncle dragging me to get an application there like it wasn't mm-hmm. something that I was like really interested in but I was I was working for my family I had been working for my family for a long time and um It wasn't exactly the best idea to work for family just because it's not always the best situation you can kind of build (laughs) rough relationships with your family and so uh, my uncle dragged me to get an interview with this company and um, I sat down I told him I was like hey this is what I'm looking for I walked in with no qualifications I I Mm -hmm. didn't go to high school I didn't go to college. I didn't have any official education to qualify me for this job. Mm. On the application, I put that I was working towards my GED, which I have never finished. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I put that on there because they wanted some form of, like, what's your educational background? I gotcha. But I don't have one. Like, I really I don't have any educational qualifications for mm-hmm. the job. And gotcha. so ultimately what it turned into is a company that that respected hard work that respected somebody putting in their best effort. And so ultimately what I learned about this company is that they care about people who are willing to to do a good job, to take care of their customers, to take care of the people, and who actually care about what they're doing. And so they've provided me numerous opportunities from working as a field hand to training me to a position where I could be a trainer. And then eventually I was a safety trainer and then now I fill a position as a supervisor, so mm-hmm. the company really just taken what I asked for on day one Which was give me something to work towards mm-hmm. and they've respected that and so I really just I love the company like ultimately um, It would take a lot or a holy spirit moment or a god <laughs> moment for, for me to really leave this company yeah. because I really do love the job yeah,
1: How do really you nice. find I guess contentment in the workplace and where you are?
2: I think just understanding that there there's always going to be good days and bad days with work Mm -hmm. no matter what and i think it's ultimately just a decision whether or not you want to be happy or not with what you're doing and so for me a lot of it is is i have made deliberate efforts to make friends of everyone i work with Mm -hmm. there's good days and there's bad days with any job like that's just the reality of it but um like i've i have fantastic friendships with folks that I've never gotten to see in person so Mm. just this past year I went to Florida where our corporate office is and I actually got to meet a lot of the people that I've been working with for nine years Mm. but I but you know it's like when you first meet someone it's like kind of awkward like just trying to get to know each other type thing and for me that wasn't the case like I've been working with them over the phone for nine years and so it was just this cool like putting a face Mm. to the name and Mm. Really just connecting with them and actually getting to spend time with them. And so ultimately, like for me, finding contentment, it, the, the way to do it really is just to make that decision. Like that's a personal decision. Like I will find a way to, to be happy with this and make the best of every day. Like Definitely. really like just make the best of what you have. Again, like I've had plenty of bad days. Yeah. There's If there's anything I can say is you meet some very, very interesting customers I've had. Yeah. I've been run off by dogs. I have thought that's I was cool. gonna get shot um <laughs> I, I thought for sure I, I had a guy one day um he told me that his wife had just died he had a he had a magazine in his hand and he was like i really don't want to have to shoot you those were his words to me and then later on his daughter comes outside and it was like he's drunk and high and everything like that and so like it was a very interesting day um I, me <laughs> and my co-worker sad. who were there excused ourselves we're like hey um this is not a situation we're comfortable with. We're okay. gonna have to uh, leave. And so there's a lot of really interesting situations I've uh, run into. I'm pretty sure I met hillbilly Satanists one day. Hillbilly uh, Satan? Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what they were. I'm Still. not not too sure. Like mm-hmm. they, they they came outside, like no shirts everything like that. They had the, the skull, like the cow skull tattoos. I'm pretty sure there was a pentagram. I'm not sure exactly but it was like really creepy looking guys i was in the middle of nowhere no cell phone service like if they take oh, me out i'm just, nobody's gonna find me yeah, yeah nobody's gonna find me oh i love that <laughs> but the reality is, is there's there's good and bad with every job yeah and so like the fun thing now is like obviously i didn't die so now i just have fun stories to tell about yeah. it but there's good and bad days with anything and i think just finding contentment is really the mm-hmm. the goal with anything and then pursue to do with excellence right yeah, like yeah. anything you do do it with excellence, and you know, walk away saying I can be proud of the work I did today.
0: Man, that's awesome. I,
2: I love that you said contentment. I feel like that is very hard for
0: a lot of people in our generation to be content with where we end up, and like mm-hmm. people just think, man, there's got to be a better job out there, a more fun job, a more exciting mm-hmm. job, a better paying job. Like there's mm-hmm. got to be, I'm missing something, and, and instead just like learning to be content. That's really powerful. Man. Okay. Yeah. So, so with that, um, just to kind of dive into your testimony so we can actually, you know, kind of learn more about you and, you know, just like what life has been like with you and God. Um, do you mind telling us just a little bit about your, your church background? You know, like how, how did you, um, come into the church, you know, what were some of your earliest like moments with Jesus?
2: Like maybe. Hmm. That's a, so my church background is a little bit different. So I grew up Mennonite. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a, a very large Mennonite community in uh, Seminole, Texas, which is mm-hmm. about two hours... I guess it's an hour south of Lubbock. Okay. And so uh, there's a very large church community or a Mennonite community out there. Mm-hmm. And so some of my earliest memories, I remember going to a what would be called an old colony uh, church service. And um, it was very reminiscent. Of, like It looks like a funeral is what it looks like. Oh. and it's segregated seating so men and women sit sit separately everyone's in black clothes like across the board um and it's a very it's very soft like it feels like a like a funeral in a lot of ways you have the um i guess the deacons or the elders of the church they have this like this stage almost that they sit behind and so they're all li- they all line up and it's very formal it's very like structured like this is how we do it type stuff mm-hmm. and so you have everyone come in and then um, they'll start to sing and it's like it's 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 beautiful because it's all just vocal but or um, i guess what is a cappella i guess mm-hmm. would be it but yeah. like it's just all vocal there's no instruments anything like that and it sounds beautiful but it sounds very sad in a lot of ways mm-hmm. but um, and so like just to kind of set set that stage like you and the reason for this like funeral idea is like my ancestors who who fled throughout Europe during like Christian persecution, um, the only way that they could actually have a church service or they like they were being persecuted for having church services, but they were allowed to gather for funerals. And so they would actually have this idea, it would look like a funeral so that they could gather together to worship.
0: Interesting. Man, man, that's really cool. I, I've never I've never heard anything about that before. That's really cool. So um I guess to kind of hone in on, on on your relationship with Jesus, you know, what was I guess what was pre-Jesus Franz like? Like what what were you like before actually knowing Christ? Do you remember?
2: See, I've I've had, I, I was really as as I was you know preparing for for this this conversation, I was really trying to think about like where where I really met Christ in a lot of ways and I, I was blessed to be raised by parents who both they're both believers mm-hmm. um, but it was it was a very different like culturally like it was a very different like Christian faith that I was that I grew up in mm-hmm. um, and so I don't know that I can really identify like a pre a yeah. pre-Jesus Franz like I really I can't what I would really say is I I feel like my relationship has just matured over time. Mm-hmm. Like I really I don't know that I, I can even think of a time where I wasn't introduced to Christ. Yeah. Like from sense. as young yeah. as I can remember my parents were reading me the you know, the Bible stories, yeah. King Solomon, King David, you know, Daniel on the lion's mm-hmm. den, all that. Like those were the stories I was raised on. Um, Do they still do, like, baptisms? Is that still, like, a
0: a normal thing in Mennonite culture? Like, was there a moment that you came to salvation or or were actually baptized, you know, um, or anything like that?
2: So, I remember having a, like, a church like i I went to a church camp Mm -hmm. and i remember having a moment where i came to my mom was like mom i was saved right yeah like i had that moment where i came to my mom was like hey mom i was saved it at this church camp and everything like that um and i it's when i said you know the believer's prayer everything like that um and so i believe like at that point is when it was really solidified in a lot of ways yeah but for me again like i just i grew up in it so much that I, i my my childhood was unique in a way that I've always really had to have a high dependency on God mm-hmm. like I really did like I had to really depend on God a lot throughout my childhood mm-hmm. even as young as like seven years old like yeah. there was always this, this need to depend on God in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and so I I really I do struggle like I was really trying to identify like where was that like that big Jesus moment like you know a lot of times people share their testimony and they're like you know this was my this is my coming to God moment and I really I don't have that in a lot of ways I, write, you know, like I, I can kind of speak to that a little bit, just because for
0: me it is a little bit similar. Obviously, not not growing up in the Mennonite culture, but being raised in a in a small town church, you know, where my parents read the Bible to me before bedtime. You know, we had our Bibles that we were encouraged to read on our own, and all this stuff. Like I was saved at a very young age, like six. Like I remember having that prayer, and like I remember getting baptized, but like I don't really remember like. Like a pre-Jesus Tucker, if that's what if that's kind of what you mean, right? Yeah, yeah, I definitely, I definitely get that. Mm.
1: So, I guess, what was your like? How, you, you mentioned that you have just slowly matured over time, but what uh, <clears throat> what has that process been like? I think I screamed a lot at Nightmare on Nineteenth <laughs> Street. Let's just be fully honest there. My voice just did not work. Um, but like, what has that process I guess been like for you? Like just maturing in Christ. Like, what changes are you talking about that you've seen over your walk?
2: So, growing up, again, like the Mennonite culture is one that is very, it, it separates itself in a lot of cases, or at least when I was growing up, it, was, it kept itself very separate from what, what we would call Angolanda, which mm-hmm. is just this, this idea of English people or anyone who wasn't Mennonite, essentially. Okay. And so for myself, growing up, I very much had this mentality of that the Mennonites were the only ones that were going to heaven. Like, I had this very, very, like, judgmental perspective where I thought we were greater than everybody else. Like, Mm -hmm. those were all the sinful heathens in a lot of ways. We're the chosen people kind of thing. And so, like, when I would read about the children of Israel, like, I always, for some reason, I kind of was like, well, that's that's who the Mennonites are in a lot of ways. Like, that's how I associated it. And so... For myself, one of the moments that I really remember was this moment where I was sitting in an English church. Yeah. It was a Baptist church in, um, in Kentucky that I went to. Um, and I just remember sitting there in Sunday school one morning and listening to them talking about the Bible, listening to them. And I just remember having this like Holy Spirit convicting moment. It's like, yeah. it's like these people are hundred times better than you. Like, they're over here loving on each other, they're over here, you know, yeah. learning about the Word, and and you're over here judging and thinking yourself holier than them, greater than them. Yeah. And it was a very humbling moment for me where I just really had to understand that, like, like each of us is broken, mm-hmm. each of us has our, our flaws, there is no greater person. And I think it's very easy for us to try to elevate one person as greater than the other in a lot of cases, yeah. and that's not the case at all. Mm. And so, growing up, I've definitely had a lot of different experiences where God's just like, just small pieces, like slowly, like climbing the stairs to to understanding my relationship with God a little bit better. How does that seep in, I guess, even
1: to a Bible believing church and all of that stuff? Like, how does self righteousness seep in? Because I, I have noticed that with a lot of people, they look to certain individuals and they're like, oh, if I was only at that point in my faith, like I would be so much better. And I think like, a, like yeah. a lot of us are like, even the ones that like when you lead like sometimes you are looked up to. I mean, I hope you are at least. Um, but you're like, only if you knew like what I struggled with and like how broken I actually was, like you wouldn't want to be in my place. But like, how does I guess self-righteousness hinder, I guess, like our relationships with others? Does that make sense?
2: It does, I, I think in many cases, like for myself, and I, I say it for myself because this is something I've done, is I wanted to be seen as righteous, right? Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't let people see my flaws. Yeah. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I I did this even so much, like I remember as a kid, like I wouldn't want my siblings to see me cry because I wanted them to see me as strong as, as not being weak in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. And I think we as Christians do that a lot. Where we don't want to see people see our flaws, our cracks. Mm -hmm. We want people to see us as as this whole perfect being that there is no flaw in me type thing. Like, because I have Jesus, I am flawless. And though, you know, Christ has made us whole, it is through our flaws, through our cracks that he works. And Mm -hmm. I think when we can learn that, that that is a hard pill for me to swallow because I really had to humble myself and say, look, I'm not better than anyone around <laughs> yeah. me, yeah. and just that humility, and then something that obviously I've I've heard so many times is ju- just being vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you have those people that might look up to you, um, I think it's good for them to be able to look up to us. Like, yeah. I, like I think that there's value in that, especially like younger folks, and you see mm-hmm. them coming into your life, they should be able to look up to you, but they should look up to you for your willingness to admit your flaws. Yeah. For being vulnerable, I think there's so much value in being able to share like, hey, look, I don't have it all together. I'm just doing the best that I can. And that makes you so much more relatable than Mm. when you're this perfect like porcelain vessel that everybody's like, man, if only I could be that guy. If only I could be whoever, like this perfect figure. And that's not the case. There is no perfect figure. I mean, even the best preacher, they have their flaws. They have their struggles. They have, Mm. they... Excuse me. One of them. <clears throat> excuse me. He screamed a lot. He screamed yeah. Of too. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things that I, I, the saying that I really love is this: this idea that everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like everybody does. There's no person that I personally get <laughs> two at a time. <laughs> I just try to get it done as fast as I can. You just jump and put them on. <laughs> but it's just this idea. That everybody, you know, everybody is human at the end of the day, and there is no person that has transcended and is so much better than everybody else. And I think that's a really important thing to, to learn.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So um, you kind of, you mentioned that moment in, in that Sunday school class where there was like what what, what we, I think we would call a formative moment for you in your relationship with Christ. Is there Were there any other things that like, That stuck out to you any other like formative moments where like man like your your perspective on Christ or the church or or who you are in him like
2: where that was just radically shifted or altered I so as I was you know like really thinking through my testimony and trying to figure out like what is the story of my life what is what is what is it that God has done for me this one phrase that has kept popping up in my mind over and over and over is that God has been faithful to me all my life, Mm -hmm. right? It's this idea that he's always and always been faithful and one of the things that I really I wanted to share is this idea that that God has been faithful Faithful to me in my prayers so Mm -hmm. many times so an example of that that I remember is like when we first moved back to Texas from Kentucky um, I didn't have any friends. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any friends due to just personal reasons. I was working um, full time at the age of 14. Like that's just what was necessary at that yeah. point. And I remember being in a place where I didn't have any friends. I didn't have anyone to hang out with. I would go to work, go home, to go to work again, and my life just felt so dry and empty. And I didn't know, like I, I was miserable. Yeah. And so I remember, I remember one night, just on hands and knees. Just praying to God's like God like I just want some friends I just want some mm-hmm. people to hang out with and I just remember in tears like on hands and knees I just kind of just fell over just still just and then I just passed out mm-hmm. The next morning I mean, it's just back to work again. I go yeah. and so I was working for my uncle at that time and um, I remember this gentleman he came in and uh, He was there to buy garden hose for the church Okay and so he came in to, to provide or to get just so they could water their lawn and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he and I just started talking back and forth. And, and so I shared a little bit of my story with him. And while we were talking, at one point he, he looks at me. He's like, hey, do you want to go to church camp? I was like, I'm sorry? He's like, well, we're going, we're, we're going to church camp. And there's you know people in your age group that you could meet and hang out with oh, wow. um, and I'd love for you to go and he was I was like when is it he's like today <laughs> I was like I don't have any money like I, I don't like I don't yeah. have the financial ability my family didn't have the financial ability and he's like well what if we take care of it will you go and so then I was like but I, I, I I'm at work I don't know that I can take off yeah and so it was this moment where like an hour, I think it was an hour to two hours afterward, I was off of work. Me and my brother were signed up to go to church camp. The night after, after i had said that prayer on hands and knees, just God help me, right? Mm-hmm. And through that, I was able to go to church camp the following day um, and just radically changed My experience there in Wellington where I was able to make friends who I then got to, you know, build relationships with. I started going to that church with them and everything. And it was just this powerful moment where where God was faithful. You know, I I asked him and it happened the following day, right? But what was powerful is like through my willingness to talk to this guy and just Mm be vulnerable. Like I was being vulnerable with him in that moment. This stranger in a lot of ways, but I was vulnerable with him. And and God blessed me for me being vulnerable and then God bless, you know, gave this guy the opportunity yeah. to bless me And it's just this powerful moment like when we're vulnerable with each other and when we're able to To just depend on God. Yeah. He is faithful to to take care of us in our prayers and it's, is so it's, it's such a powerful moment for me in my childhood and was such a a Breath of fresh air for me in that stage of my life.
0: Man, that's awesome so um, as we kind of come to the end of, of uh, really your your testimony a little in, in a lot of ways, um, I want to ask you you know what what is what has God been teaching you recently? you know you talked about how it has just been this slow maturing um, of your life and how God has just continued to grow your spiritual life and, and your relationship with him and so um, what what is something that he's been teaching you recently um, or doing in your life recently?
2: So I would have to say again, like I just keep going back to this idea that God is faithful like mm-hmm. I really really just find myself sitting on this idea over and over because the same thing like how I got involved here at IABC yeah. was a moment where I was again I was seeking friends. I'd moved to Plainview and through certain circumstances um, I was without friends. I didn't yeah. have people to hang out with on a regular basis and so didn't really have community. No, I didn't like I, I didn't have any community. I didn't have anyone to really like foster, Really like close relationships with I have friends there, but you know, one of my best friends there He's married. He has a wife and child and so like there's just a different season there And so he and I don't have time to like intimately like hang out on a regular basis. He's busy And so I was really at a moment again Where I was praying it's like god, I'm looking for friends. I'm looking for community and and so I was praying and praying and praying and so I remember one morning I was sitting at Hebrews here in Lubbock yeah. and I was I was sitting there reading a book and and uh, Tyler, which I didn't know was Tyler at that moment, yeah. but Tyler uh, was talking to some gals there and they were talking something about church. They're talking something about church, and and so as they were going back and forth, I just felt the Holy Spirit telling him, he He's like, well, say something. He's like, this is what you've been praying for, yeah. say something. I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. It's like, that's weird. I was like, I'm I'm around (laughs) here eavesdropping basically. It's like, man, I don't want to do that. They would know I've been listening. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so I I was really like, I don't want to be that creep that's just like eavesdropping on everybody. And so I just sat there and I was like, I'm just going to go back to reading my book. And I did. And so as Tyler's about, like he's about to walk out the door, Mm -hmm. I I do like, I was like, hey man, like is awkward and uncomfortable not my comfort zone whatsoever yeah. but um, I just like I, I told Tyler, I was like hey I'm looking for community I'm looking for some young adults to hang out with and just build and foster relationships yeah. with and right away Tyler jumped in and was like hey I'd love to have you and that following Tuesday I'm I'm meeting up with with you and yeah. and everyone and I get to meet a, a community of young adults and again like God was faithful but one of the things that I really learned in that is that God is faithful to answer our prayers but we have to do our part too in a lot of those moments like I could have kept my mouth shut I didn't have to say anything And you didn't want to? No, really. I absolutely <laughs> did not. Like that is not my comfort zone. I love that. And so what I found really is God does not work in our comfort zones most of the time. Yeah. One of the things, though is this, this quote that I've heard over and over is this idea that if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. And I feel like that's where God works. God works in the places that challenge us. Yeah. And so really, like God has been continually challenging me. With my with my background, I've I've always really struggled with like. With connecting with my age group I really have and so and so God has really been challenging me he's like well then just kind of stretch yourself and and then where I have a lack God fulfills like where where I'm weak God comes in and he fulfills what I'm what I'm lacking in those yeah. situations and so just like that moment where I was challenged but then I've I've received such blessing through through that, I've been able to come here to Lubbock on a regular basis. I'm coming out here four or five times a week. yeah. <laughs> and But it's worth every minute of it. That drive doesn't get any shorter, but it's worth every minute of it because I come out here and I hang out with people that that are loving on me and that I can love on in return, that I can build relationships with and really develop that community that I've had such a hunger for. Yeah. And I think there's so such a need for good, healthy Christian community. And in a time where I mean our relationships are as, as deep as the Facebook friendship like in so many cases and for me that's that's just not good enough yeah. man that's awesome so um, kind of diving into our, our next little segment that we like to
0: do man book of the podcast Franz what is a what is a book that you have read recently or, or not that you would recommend um, to our listeners to, to read um, what,
2: what what's a book that has been impactful to you so I really have just one book that just absolutely screams to me like of the book recommendation and it's lord book. of the rings <laughs> dang it uh, I just, I to <laughs> you know it's it. <laughs> truly a theological just brilliance i mean, absolutely i uh, love lord of the rings don't get me wrong but um don't. you you don't no what I'm sorry the- it's
1: just the movie it's not interesting to me I haven't it? read the book. Christian, it's ha- on my Christian has bad taste, don't <laughs> I? Obviously, man. That, <laughs> sorry. Like, Lord of
2: the Rings is like my, my childhood. I'm sorry. The I first, didn't insult your childhood. That, that, too, that was a movie that I watched while we were Amish and weren't supposed to watch TV. Like, that, like that's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> like, a whole other story. But it's was like, no. But so, the book that for me that really just helped me to really solidify my faith is a book called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Mm. It's by Frank Turek and Norm Mm -hmm. Geisler, I believe. But it's this brilliant book that does exactly what the title suggests. It Mm. proposes that it takes more faith to be an atheist than a Christian. And it really just lays out the scientific evidence for God. Because I think in so many cases, like for me growing up, I thought that science would dispel this this God for me, right? And so I was afraid of science in many cases growing up. And so what I love about this book is it really hammers down on a lot of these ideas. Like the fact is that like morality cannot exist without God. There is no morality without God. Mm -hmm. And the fact that there's what they call the cosmological argument and just how the universe itself and the complexity and the beauty of Mm -hmm. our universe demands that there has to be a God for it to work in perfect Order. Just the yeah, exactly. Can. It works in this perfect order that it demands. Like, there has to be, like, there's a fine tuning to our universe. Um, and so it's just a book that really. that gave me a head knowledge in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Like I've always experienced God from the heart in a lot of ways, but it really kind of gave me a head knowledge, so when I have a bad day and my heart is deceitful, right? That I still have this head knowledge. No, God is real. Like I might be having a bad day, but God is very much real. My heart might be heavy, but God is very much real. And I know that in my head when my heart doesn't feel that way, right? And I feel like sometimes your heart has to feed your head and your head has to feed your heart in those Mm -hmm. moments. When, you're, when your mind might be doubting, your heart speaks to your mind. It's like, no, God's definitely there. Yeah. But then it goes the other way, too. And so for me, it's a book that is powerful yeah. um, and helps to really dispel a lot of the, the, what, the New Age atheist arguments that yeah. come against Christianity. And I think there's so much value to it.
1: Mm. That's really That's good. Awesome. So as we kind of enter our last segment of the podcast, we always like to add, ask a theological question. And so, for you, Franz, what is the knowledge of good and evil, and why was it sin for Adam and Eve to have it? Because I think you can often ask the questions like, like, why was it so bad for Adam and Eve to have knowledge? Like, isn't that a good thing?
2: <laughs> I was, I like, you really stumped me with this particular question. I was when I was thinking about, it, I was like, man, I don't know. Like, what is the knowledge of good and evil? And I think it's really just as simple as I don't think the knowledge itself was evil, right? Like knowledge isn't evil, but it was simply disobedience. Mm-hmm. That's really what it came down to was just a disobedience. Like God said, don't do this. And we disobeyed, right? Mm-hmm. And the reality is like we just simply we were ignorant to good and evil is mm-hmm. all it was. Like we were simply ignorant to it, or at least that's how I understand it. Uh-huh. And so it was just that disobedience and it was a lack of trust in God right yeah. like the, the serpent deceives Eve and Adam and Eve both really but they're deceived because they think that they're lacking something yeah. that that the, that if they learn that if they learn through this knowledge then you know they'll be like God too right it's this yeah. idea of, it's the same the same sin that Lucifer fell to right yeah. is that he wanted to be like God and through that he deceived them said hey you don't have everything you could have it's this fear of lack yeah. We're missing out on something. Yeah, exactly. Like we're missing out on something. Yeah. And so I think the knowledge itself I don't believe was evil. Right. It's yeah. more just the simple fact that it was the, the act of disobeying what God had overtly commands like don't eat from this tree. Yeah. God made that distinctly clear <laughs> don't touch this uh, tree. <laughs> and <laughs> they're it. like no. All right, I'm gonna touch it. Like that's what we do as people, right? It's like we, we have this inclination to just always always disobey Mm -hmm. but that's all it really was just an act of disobedience yeah
1: Yeah. well thank you so much franz for being on we really appreciate it and thank you guys for listening um if you want to follow us on instagram we have a instagram handle at because he did um and in the show notes Franz's books will be linked there if you want to go and check it out and thank you guys for listening we'll see you next time